All right, it's good to be here. Uh, it's always a blessing to be uh, with college students. I, I just get excited because I look at you guys and I remember uh, my years at Virginia Tech studying engineering and kind of having the world wide open, you know, just having the future wide open. And um, I really grew with the Lord the most, I would say, in college. I've grown with the Lord. I've continued to grow with the Lord, of course, but it was in college where just intimacy with the Lord time with the Lord. It was just so much more abundant. And when I got into the quote unquote real world and started working as an engineer, later worked, working construction, uh, and then coming out here to work in the orphanage, um, you know, there's a lot more time blocks you're putting into work. And so you get intimacy with the Lord, but it's got to be structured and it's got to kind of be fit in. But with college, you're pretty free. You know, people are like, oh, you're taking 19 credits. 19 hours a week, you're in a classroom, like, wow, that's a lot. Guys, when you work, 40 hours is the minimum that you're at the office. That's the minimum. And so if you're only in a classroom for 19 hours, sure, you're going to have homework, you're going to have projects, you're going to have other things to do, but you're free, you know, you can make your own schedule. And this is why a lot of college students, you know, they go to sleep at three in the morning and they wake up at like 10 or 11 because, hey, you can do whatever you want. And uh, this allows for a great opportunity to grow with the Lord or to just slack off. And, and uh, I hope, you know, that all of you guys, you guys have been here in Emmaus, as you guys have just been, you know, at your college, maybe if you're a foreign exchange student, your college back home, that you've been growing with the Lord. And uh, even if you haven't, I hope that tonight will encourage you uh, in that growth. Tonight's message, we're going to look at some scripture. Uh, the title is, God is for me. So repeat after me, God is for me. All right, you guys got to believe this or else it's going to be a hard life. But if you believe this, if you really believe this, and if you ask God, God, help me believe this more, man, life's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. Um, You're going to be able to accomplish more than you ever dreamed of. If you will just believe God is for me. So let's look at Hebrews chapter 11. Turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. It's towards the back of your Bible. If you got your smartphone app, you can use that. Hebrews 11. This is the chapter of faith. We about there. Still see pages flipping. Hebrews 11. Now, what is faith? Verse 1. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, for the conviction of things not seen. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now, verse 6, look down, Hebrews 11, verse 6. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. There's a very clear scripture that without faith, you can't please God. You just can't. Why? Because if you are living apart from faith, you're just living in this world. You're just a person of this world. You are looking at the surface of things. You're just looking at material things. All right, I need provision. I'll apply for this job. I will work this job. I'll buy these clothes. I will buy this home. It will be my shelter. This is my home. Okay, if you live that way without any faith, without any looking to the Lord, without any trusting in him for his provision, but you're just going your own way, he can't bless you. It's not that he doesn't like you. Title of this message, God is for you. 
It's just that you're not looking to him. You're not looking to him. You're not taking his hand. You're not walking with him. But for those that have faith, and there's different levels of faith, there's, there's different growth in faith, but for those who have faith, as they look to him, he begins to reward them. And so their treasures are not just provision here on earth, but now they're also accumulating that provision in heaven. It's like a double blessing now that you're getting. As you walk with him here on earth, as you look to him for provision, you got to be faithful in the small things, and I'll get to this in the message, but as you look to him and you ask him for help, as you partner with him, as you listen to his Holy Spirit, you're walking in faith. You are pleasing him. And if you're pleasing him, he's going to reward you. Now, if you've been following the politics uh, in America, in Indonesia, uh, in Korea, in just a lot of different countries, things are getting shaken up. And a lot of people you know, in the faith are saying judgment is coming. God's judgment is coming. Now, what is God's judgment? God's judgment is simply reality coming forth. That anything not marked by God will eventually fade and fall apart. I'll say that again. Judgment, God's judgment is simply reality coming forth. That anything not marked by God will eventually fade and fall apart. So if your faith is in the things of this world... Your treasures are the things of this world. Guess what? In 20 years, 40 years, 60 years, 80 years, or if it's your smartphone, in three years, it's going to be in the junkyard. It's going to be trash. It'll be in the furnace. Even people that you trusted in, they'll be in the graveyard. They'll be gone. Okay? That's just reality coming forth. But if you partner with God in faith, and if you walk with Him... Your foundation is no longer the things of this world. The things that you trust in are no longer things that, that just go away, like even countries and empires and economies. These, these fade away too. Okay, The economy of Rome is not existing today. The economy of Spain, when Spain went across the whole world, and everybody's like, oh, Spain's the greatest empire. It's gone. All right, No one looks at the Spanish empire anymore. Economies fade. Governments fade. God never fades. So if we can partner with him in faith, now we're walking in the eternal. Now we're walking in the kingdom's blessings. So we get blessed here on earth, and we also get blessed in heaven. There's no judgment. Why? Because we partnered with the eternal things, things that will not fail us. Let me give an example of this that's very stark, very clear, and has really ministered to me in my life. Uh, turn to Genesis chapter 13. Genesis 13. And I'm going to summarize this, but I just want you guys to see this in your Bible so you know I'm not making anything up. Genesis 13. This is about Abraham and his cousin, Lot. Abraham and Lot. So Abraham, Father Abraham, he's been told by God to leave your family, to leave your home, and to go out to where God will take you. And he's going to lead you to this land that will become your inheritance. But God doesn't say this is your exact land or this is your exact place and you'll become a king right here. He just says go. Just go. And so Abraham follows the Lord. He's going by faith. Abraham's known as the father of faith, man of faith. So he follows God, obeys God, goes into the promised land. 
and he prospers. Okay, he just gets so wealthy. And his cousin's with him, Lot. And because Lot is partnered with this man of faith, Lot also becomes extremely wealthy. To the point where in Genesis chapter 13, if you read through the whole chapter, you read that Lot has so much stuff and Abraham has so much stuff that the land is too small for them. That even though they're camped out across these huge plains and these huge areas, because they have so many sheep and goats and cattle and and all these things, there's just not enough land for them both. And so they say, all right, we got to separate. This isn't good. Our herdsmen, they're starting to argue. Our cattle, they need need more land. So Abraham says, look, Lot, I'll let you choose where you want to go. All right, and uh, I'll I'll read this. Uh, Chapter 13. Verse 8, let me just read this this passage, chapter 13, verse 8. Then Abraham said to Lot, let there be no strife between you and me and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I'll go to the right. Or if you take the right hand, then I'll go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zoar. And this was before the Lord had destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. Thus they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked, great sinners against the Lord. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. And he goes on with a blessing. Now, notice, what was Abraham's mindset in this? His mindset was, look, I'm obeying the Lord. So wherever you choose, I'll just go the opposite way. And even if it's the desert, even if it's a swamp land, God's going to bless me somehow. I'm just, I'm partnered with God. I can't fail. But Lot, his mindset wasn't, God, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? What did it say? Lot looked around and he looked at the land. He looked in the physical. And he analyzed, where in the physical can I feel the safest? Oh, look, the land of Sodom and Gomorrah. This looks safe. This land looks well watered. I think my my cattle, they'll be well taken care of. I can just go and retire and kick back and just be comfortable the rest of my life. This is the mindset of a lot of Americans. This is the mindset of a lot of materialistic people. Of I'm going to try and get the cushiest job or I'm going to try and set myself in, in the best position so that I'll prosper and I'll be comfortable and I'll be okay. All right, it's okay to have wisdom. It's okay to be smart when you're choosing between two jobs. Don't choose the horrible job because you want to be a person of faith. It's not that that's wrong to choose something better. What's wrong is to not be walking with God in the process. To instead make the basis of your provision things of this world rather than God's provision. So what happens? Abraham, he just, he just walks with the Lord. I'm just walking with you. And God says, just walk around this whole land. Just walk around it. I'm going to prosper you wherever you go. Don't worry about the, the neighboring you know, uh, soldiers. Don't worry about these different kings. Don't worry about these things. I'm going to bless you. And as he walks, it says later in Genesis that he became like a prince among the peoples. And they honored him. They revered him. This man without a country. 
This guy, this guy, just everything he touches prospers. He walks in faith. But what happened to Lot? If you read the book of Genesis, as you go through, Lot settles in Sodom and he gets comfortable there. And he gets so comfortable that he begins to tolerate the sin that's going around him, the evil that's happening in Sodom, the immorality. If you read about Sodom and Gomorrah, it's, it's pretty gross what's going on in this city. To the point when angels came to him and they said, you got to get out. God's judgment's coming on this land. Lot, Lot didn't want to go. And he even, he, he, he paused for a moment and the angels grabbed him and they pulled him out of the city. But even as they're taking him out of the city, they say, flee to the mountains, flee to that area and God will take care of you because his, his judgment is coming upon this land. And Lot said, look, the, the mountains, they look scary. I, I don't know if I can take care of my, my daughters here. Can I just go into that little town? Just let me, let me go into that town. That town looks safe. And the irony was, was in the midst of Lot being delivered by angels as the judgment of God is going on behind him and he can hear it just, you know, fire and sulfur and madness going on behind him. He's still thinking in the physical. That even though God is telling him through these angels, go there, he's still saying, no, 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 that looks better. The physical, this looks better. And so finally the angels say, fine, that's what you want. You go to that town. And he goes to the town. He loses everything to the point where in fear, he ends up going up to the mountain and he's left with just his two daughters. And because he has relied on the earth so much, his daughters now have no one to reproduce with. They have no, no man to marry. So his daughters in a very strange portion of scripture, they decide, look, we got to have kids. Our only source is our father. Let's get him drunk. They get their father drunk. They sleep with him. They get impregnated and they, and they have kids. This is the picture of when you rely on the world completely for your provision. That's where it leads to. Okay, you, you just, you're not getting blessed. It's not that God is cursing you. It's that you're not walking with God. It's that you're not choosing him. And because you're not choosing him, you're choosing the things of this world. You're choosing things that don't last. Things that fall apart. Things that fade away. Meanwhile, Abraham, blessing. A blessing to many, many nations. Abraham and Lot. And so I want you guys to remember this story as, as you guys are going through life. And I'm going to share a practical story for you guys now in terms of your, your time here in college. But just later in life too, the decisions that you have to make. Am I making a lot decision? And a lot decision is often filled with anxiety. It's filled with, I got to make a decision that's best for me. And, and there's, there's fear and there's, there's compulsion and, and there's greed even. There can be different things where you know this isn't the Holy Spirit motivating me. I'm making these decisions based on worldly advice. Oh, if you don't take that internship, you'll never get a job. Oh, if you don't do this, then you'll never work out. Oh, I'm scared now. I'm looking to this internship as the key to my success. Oh, I'm scared now. I'm looking to this grad school as the key to my success. It's not that the internship's evil. It's not that grad school is evil. It's that if you are choosing things motivated by fear and not by faith, how, how can God bless you? God blesses faith. And it's better to take a moment and, hey, I'm not in a good place. I, let me pray. 
And if you're still not in a good place, let me fast. Let me get my, my familiar leader. Let me get some people in on this that they can pray for me. And then once I get to a place of peace and I ask God, God, is, is there a place you, you, know, you want me to go? Is there something you want me to do? And he doesn't, if he doesn't speak to you, but you have that peace, you can know because you have that peace, whatever you choose, like Abraham, God's going to bless you. Or God may speak and say, no, that's not, that's not for you. I want you to go somewhere else. And then you know, man, I'm blessed. God chose me. To, God told me to do this. He is for me. He is not against me. If God is for me, none can be against me. Oh, I'm excited. I'm going to move forward without any fear. I'm going to move forward with excitement. So here's, here's my story for today. Uh, I, I like to share stories when I, I come to Emmaus. And I don't think this is a story that JP has heard. He's heard like all my stories, so uh, uh, we'll see. But um, when I was in college, that's when I really began to grow with the Lord. And so my freshman year, my first semester, uh, I actually got an injury that got me hospitalized. And um, I was bedridden for a couple months. I couldn't play sports for like nine months. Uh, I had to drop my first semester. And so it was really hard for me. It wasn't easy, but at that time, I discovered Christian music. And I had heard Christian music before, but Christian music in the 90s, it's not good, okay? It was just, it's very discouraging. But uh, in about 2000, 2001, Christian music started to get better. There was a band called Lifehouse uh, that had an album. You guys probably have heard their song, Everything. A lot of Christian youth groups or, you know, mission groups, they use that song. But I was listening to it because I like secular music. But I realized some of these songs almost sound Christian. Like, these could be twisted. And then I read the, the like, back when they had CDs that you would actually buy with like the, you know, lyrics inside. They have like the thanks inside. Like, I want to thank my mom and my dad, you know, all that. I'm reading it. And three of the band members are like, I want to thank God. And I'm like, oh, you know, some of these guys, not all of them, but some of these guys are Christian. And I began to even experience God's presence with some of their songs. And I began to listen to some other Christian music. And I just, just began to hunger for the Lord. And so I, I went back to Virginia Tech um, my first year for the second semester and uh, I got involved in a college fellowship like this, and they taught me how to pray. They taught me how to read the word. Very biblical basics. It was like spiritual disciplines 101 or something. They had a class. And uh, I, I was just taking it, and I was growing. And I didn't have these specific disciplines or anything, you know, like I must do it this way or that way. But I was just walking with the Lord. And at the end of the semester, um, I wasn't like super nerdy about my grades or whatever, but I just wanted to honor my parents. And I didn't even know what my parents wanted in terms of grades. Uh, my parents weren't like get all A's or, you know, get, get this or get that. They're very kind of hands-off, uh, white parents. And um, I, I came home and I ended up getting like a 3.4. Now, uh, GPA in America, 4.0 is straight A's. 3.7, I think, is A minus. 3, 3 is B plus. 3 is B. Something like that. And I'm like, three, four, I, I, I don't know, is that good? And my mom's like, you made dean's list. That's, that's honors uh, in college. If you get a three, four, at least in Virginia, that means you got honors. And she was like, oh, happy. She's like, yeah, you got dean's list. I'm like, note to self, 3.4 is what my mom wants. All right, God, help me just get a three, four through college. You know, like I want to do well, but I didn't go to college to become a nerd. I, you know, came to college to become a man, to become an adult. And so I wanted to be able to enjoy myself. I wanted to grow with the Lord. And I wanted to do well enough to honor my parents and, you know, do well in life. I just didn't want to become a nerd, you know, like, like too, like, wrapped up in it. So the next semester, I prayed, God, help me get Dean's List. And um, I 
would continue to read the Bible each day. I would pray, and it'd be, you know, short. Like, I think that first semester, I would pray, like, 15 minutes a day. I would read a few chapters, you know, every day, and I would just grow. Go to fellowship, you know, go to Sunday service, and, uh, you know, hang out with friends as well. But I was growing with the Lord, and by my next semester, I was praying, you know, like, 25 minutes, you know, a little bit more. It's just like, God's, God's good. I think I want a little bit more of him. I just want to spend a little bit more time, you know, with him. You put me with him for like 45 minutes, I'm exhausted. But, you know, 25 minutes, that was the sweet spot, you know, for that semester and continue to read. And then the next semester, it's my third semester at college. Uh, I had to take 19 credits. Ooh, okay, 19 credits. And because I had lost that one semester, I had to take all engineering. So it was all engineering. I was taking differential equations, multivariable calculus. I was taking chemistry and physics and um, material science, some materials engineering course, AutoCAD, like all these like nerd classes, okay? <laughs> like there was no like, you know, fun class in there, like pottery or, you know, like I don't know, like, like something, you know, silly where, you know, I don't, I don't have to do all these projects. And so I'm like, all right, yeah, I got to hunker down. I got to work hard. And I'm like, God, just help me get that 3-4. Help me get that 3-4. You know, help, help me honor my parents in this. But God, I want to put you first. And I began to make this, this vow. And this is where faith comes in. I said, God, before I study, I want to spend time with you. I want to spend time with you first. And my other thing was, God, now, I, I was more disciplined in my sleep about this time. God, I never want to study past midnight. Okay? That was just, that was me. All right? I never want to study past midnight. And so if I had a really long day, then what I would do is I'd come home and I'd have my quiet time. And if I had 15 minutes to study, I'd study for 15 minutes and then I'd just shut up, shut the lights. I'm not going to put all my energy and life into this physical stuff and let it kill me. I'm going to put in my effort, but I'm also going to take care of my health. That was just just my thing with the Lord. And, And I studied. Believe me, I put studying as a priority. I would have my quiet time. I would study, and then if I had free time, I would usually hang out, hang out with friends, you know, or, or go to a fellowship gathering or things like that. I was also leading, teaching a Bible study at that time, uh, and it was involved in, in some other ministry groups. So I was pretty busy, and uh, test week came around. And so at Virginia State, you usually had three tests. You had the first wave, the second wave, and then you had the finals. And these tests are like 30% each of your grade, and then like 10% is homework or projects. This is the majority of the engineering, at least. And uh, I remember I took all the tests, and I felt like I did pretty good on, on most of them. And after that week of, like, seven different exams, I uh, come to my classes, and I get it back, get back the first one, and it's like a 75. That's really low for me. And I was like, oof, like, all right, you know, I'll, I'll do better on, on the next one. I go to the next class, 70. I'm like, oh, man, like, all right, let's, you know, I got five more to go, you know. And I go to the next one. And, and it's like a, a 60. And, and I'm just like every class, I'm getting destroyed. I go to my statistics class. And this is the class I, I really struggled with. But it was like graded on a curve. So I'm like, I'll get a good curve. I go in there. I think I got like a 50. It's the lowest grade I'd ever gotten like in my life. I got a 50 on it. And uh, I looked around, and there were these, like, frat boys that were like, you know, what you get? And they're like, oh, I got an 80. They really talk like that, you know. And, and they, like, got good grades. And I'm like, no, I know I studied more than these guys. I didn't come to class hungover, you know, and yet they got better grades. 
And, and so I'm like, what, what is going on? Well, then I go to my AutoCAD class. Does AutoCAD still exist? Anybody use that? Okay, AutoCAD, yeah. Um, and uh, I go to, to this class. It's an engineering thing where you, like, make different shapes and, uh, on the computer. And, you know, I'd print it out and, and bring it. And the professor says, uh, is there a John Michael Becker here? John Michael Becker, is he here? And I'm like, oh, I'm right here. See me after class. Okay, class. And he like goes on. And I'm like, oh, like what, what is that? And so I, I see him afterwards. I'm like, sir, what, what would you like to talk to me about? He says, we'll talk in my office on Monday. One o'clock, you be there. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like thinking about my head, like what did I do to offend this guy? I show up to every class. I'm like paying attention, not falling asleep, turned in all my homework. I'm like, this is really weird. It made me uneasy. So I get more tests back. Fail, fail, D, you know, highest grade's like a C. That Monday, I go to the AutoCAD professor, and uh, I sit down, and he throws out my homework and my friend Sharon's homework. He just throws it on the table. He says, tell me what this is. I'm like, my, my homework? <laughs> you know, and he grabs it, and he holds it up to the light. As he holds it up to the light, it's like identical, okay, because it's a printout of a, you know, something that project design that we had made, but... It's like identical. Now, with AutoCAD, it's like math. Three plus three is six. Everyone should have that answer of six. So if, you know, Sharon has the answer six and I have the answer six, they could accuse us of cheating. But if we're going to get the right answer, we're going to get the right answer. So even with these designs, you had to design it precisely. There was no, like, make a huge thing or a small thing. It had to be to the dimension. But when you make it on the computer, you're not always making it in the exact spot. And so... Somehow it came out in the exact spot. And I'm like, what, what is going on? And then I realized we had been working on the project in the same room. And uh, it took like four hours, this one project. And we worked on it, we worked on it, worked on it. I got it done. I printed it. She gets hers done. And she goes to hit print. And she gets the blue screen of death where it's just like shut down. She's like, oh, no. And I'm like, did you save it? Like, I don't know. I don't know. She reboots it. It's gone. And I do the whole math thing. I'm like, well, you know, three plus three is six. <laughs> you know, like you did it. I saw it. You know, I did it too. I'll just print it out again with your name on it and we'll just turn it in. I mean, you did it. I did it. And I didn't know that my professor would hold up every paper to the light and actually look. And I'm like, sir, this, this, is, this is what happened. He said, that's for the honor court to decide. Get out of my room. He didn't give me a chance. It was just like he was so angry. And I'm like, honor court, what is this? And uh, I'm, I go back to uh, a friend's room, There's some upperclassmen, and I'm telling them, hey, this is what happened. My professor's claiming I cheated, and, um, you know, he's saying I have to go to honor court. And I'm, like, looking for sympathy. And they look at me, and they go, oh, no, like that. And they say, honor court, that you're, you're proven guilty. You're guilty unless you can prove you're innocent. Like, you're automatically guilty. There's no I'm innocent until proven guilty. It's you're guilty until proven innocent. And they said, my friend, he got it. And they give you a triple weighted zero for that grade. And then you have to do 50 hours of community service. And you get a mark on your permanent record. And I'm like, what? They're like, yeah, he had to work in the dining hall for 50 hours. You know, last semester, he failed the class, had to retake it. And I'm thinking, these projects, there's only a few of them. If I get a, a triple weighted zero on that, the highest grade I could get if I got perfects was a C, I think, if I got 100 on every single other project. Permanent mark on my record, and then all these extra hours, and I was just like, 
panic. And I remember going back to my dorm room, like, I didn't get comforted at all from my friends. Like, what was that? You know, like, now I feel horrible. And I was thinking, like, what do I do? Like, who's going to hire me if I got a permanent record, like a mark that says I cheated and and I got this bad grade. I I can't, I can't pull that up. Like, like, what do I do? And I thought, maybe I'll, I'll become a missionary. Like, I'll just, you know, they don't, they don't care about your grades. You know, you just go, you know, like, wait, you cheated in college. No, no, you, you don't need my record. Right. You know? And uh, I was like, what do I do? And uh, I, I went to my room, and I'm, I'm panicking. I tell my parents, and they're just like, well, we'll be praying. And my friend Sharon met with him, and, and he did the same thing. He yelled at her and said, that's for the honor court to decide. Uh, and so we were just, like, shaken up. And um, amidst all that, there was – I was just having, like, the worst week ever. We did Secret Valentines in the fellowship, and I said, I don't want to do Secret Valentines. But then they were like, there's not enough guys. You have to do it. So they assigned a girl to me. So for a week before Valentine's, you have to do like all these like secret things, like, you know, buy them different stuff and have your friends deliver it. And so I was like, all right, I'll play along, you know, and then, and I did it and I, I blessed her. Well, then there was the banquet where you reveal the names of who is who. And I'm like, man, I don't even want to go, but you know, I got to go and show myself there. And I'm like putting on my jeans and my t-shirt and my friend's like, yo, you, what suit are you wearing? I'm like, suit? I don't have a suit. What are you talking about? This is the Valentine's banquet. You got to wear a suit. I'm like, can I borrow one? And they're like, hey, what was your final gift? Is it really good? What's your final gift? I'm like, final? No one told me about a final gift. I don't have anything. You don't have anything. And uh, so it was like 20 minutes. And uh, so I run and I get a card from like the local convenience store. And I'm like, okay. And, and I run in there and these guys, they, they're like got these huge heart, you know, whatever. And like these crazy gifts, these engineer guys that had worked the internships and made money, you know, the crazy stuff. And it's all like posh and like crazy. I was just, I was like, oh my gosh. And they're like, all right. I'm like, well, I'll just meet her. I got her a lot of stuff. You know, she'll be understanding. And we sit down, we're eating and they're like, all right, this is how we're going to do it. This is how we're going to do it. All the girls go to the middle, and we're going to go one by one. Every guy, give your gift. And I'm like, what, whoa, what, no, no. And now they're, like, pulling out, like, big things. And they're, like, going to girl. The girl, like, oh, it's for you, you know. And everyone's like, yeah, you know, and cheering. And, and I tell the campus leader, the fellowship leader, I'm like, yo, 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 I didn't, I didn't know about it. You got to cover me. You got to cover me. Like, I, I don't know. He's like, oh, okay, I got you, I got you. And uh, it's, it's, it's now Rebecca, and um, there's the person that I had, and I'm sitting there. And they're like, Rebecca, where's Rebecca's guy? Come on, come on. And where is he? And then the campus leader guy's like, hey, hey, hey guys, guys, uh, he, he, he told me he couldn't be here tonight. Um, he'll, he'll get something for you later. And the guys there are like, he couldn't be here? I'll kill him. Like, they're like the upperclassmen. And I'm sitting there like, <laughs> like eating. I felt so bad. She's just sitting there. Like, she's a sweet girl, thankfully. And, uh, and then all the other guys give their gifts. And at the end, I, I, you know, I apologized. And I gave her her card. And uh, she was really sweet about it. I did take good care of her. It was just that night. Ah, oh, I felt so horrible. And, and so it was like, when, you know, the worst weeks of your life. I'm going through it. And I'm like, at least I got my, my math classes left. I do well at math. I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty sure I aced that multivariable variable, uh, class, that calculus exam. 
And the differential equations, I'm pretty sure I did well on that too. I need, I need a pick-me-up. I'm all depressed. And uh, it was actually Monday was when the professor yelled at me, so I was even more down. Tuesday, I go to those classes, differential equations. I think I got 70. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I go to the multivariable, and uh, he gives me the test, and it's a 60. And I'm like, what on earth? I thought I aced this. And uh, I'm walking back to my dorm from, from the building, and I'm flipping it over. And if you've taken multivariable, there's these things called the shell method and the disk method. And, and it's just like crazy variables, A you know, squared, B squared. Yeah, yeah it's nerdy. And, and it was like use the shell method to solve this answer. And I had accidentally used the disk method, and I got the right answer. But I got them mixed up, stupid disk and shell. And so I got – it was a perfect exam – but the professor said, because you use the wrong methods, minus 40. And I got a 60 on it. And I'm just walking, looking at this. And I'm like, man, can it get any worse? And the raindrop hits my head. <laughs> and another, and it just starts raining on me as I'm walking with my exam, you know, doo, 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 on the exam. And, and I was just like, man, I got, I got to my room, and I got into my bed, and I just laid on my chest, just like, I don't want to leave. I'm done, you know, like I'm out. And uh, it was Bible study that night, and I was supposed to teach. And familia, you know, and I'm like, I don't want to go. And I just laid there for a bit in my own misery. And then uh, I felt like I was prompting, like, you need to go. And um, I crawled out of bed, and I'm walking with my friends. They don't know that I've had the worst week of my life. And they're, like, laughing and talking and stuff. And we get to the meeting, and... And uh, we're just worshiping together like we worship tonight. And I just feel the love of the family in that place, just the community. They don't know what I'm going through. Like, they're, they're not all, like, sympathetic, like, oh, poor you. It's just they're loving, loving people. They're sweet people. And I just remember feeling, like, this peace of, like, what is your joy wrapped up in? What is your worth wrapped up in? Is it wrapped up in grades? Is it wrapped up in secret valentine? Is it wrapped up in something like that? Or is it wrapped up in God and in his love? And in his sweetness. And, and I could just feel peace coming on me. And I had desires to want to just drop leading Bible study. Like, look, i got to focus on my grades. I'm, I'm failing all these classes. You know, forget Bible study. Or to say, like, God, I've been doing that quiet time thing, but, you know, I need to study. Put that aside. And I felt like, no, i, I got to keep these straight. i got to keep walking with you, Lord. I want to walk in faith. I want your blessing. I don't want to earn it on my own. And so I just went through the rest of the semester and this honor court, every class, I would look at the professor and you look at me and then you, you know, keep teaching, but he never brought up the honor court. Like I'm, I'm waiting and he's like, we'll do that later. We'll do that later. And so it's like hanging over my head, but I'm just like, I commit it to the Lord, commit it to the Lord. And uh, I take my exams. It's that second time. And I get a, you know, B, A, A. And then I get my statistics exam, and I got a 50. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, well, I thought this was working. I thought I got it you know, figured out. Like, if I walk with the Lord, I get you know, these good grades, and I got another 50. So this is another one of those things where the high, if I get 100 on the final exam, the highest grade I could get, I think, was a C-. minus. And um, I'm just like, what, 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 is, what is going on? And I just felt God's peace. I just felt God saying, keep walking with me. I want you to look at Psalm uh, 121. Psalm 121. This was a passage that my mom sent me amidst all this madness. And honestly, I was starting to get panic attacks uh, with, with this. When, in, when I got that second statistics grade and then the honor court thing was being threatened again, 
um, and, and just different things were happening. I started really fear, uh, just stress was hitting me strong. My mom said, I want you to claim this, this chapter, Psalm 121. And I'm going to read it to you. This is in the ESV. It says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Now, I want to explain those verses. I lift up my eyes to the hills. What are the hills? Back in the times of King David and stuff, they had the high places. All right. And the high places were where people would worship the gods of the earth, like gods like Baal. All right. And, and they would worship gods of this earth, demonic gods, to try and get their blessings. They're called the high places. Okay. But people of God were called to worship the Lord in the temple. So he says, I lift up my eyes to the high places. But where does my help come from? My help doesn't come from the things of this world. It comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Verse 3, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. And I just began to meditate on that and pray it. And I could just feel God's peace coming. And I knew I had to make an extra effort with statistics. And so it got to the point where I would camp out outside of my professor's, you know, um, office. And I would just wait for her for the office hours. And I would work with her and work with her. And I did everything that I could uh, to, to get better at statistics. But I was also putting God first. I was still seeking him. I was keeping faithful with that familia, leading that Bible study, you know, the fellowship stuff. And I just kept walking with the Lord. And it got down to the last week. And uh, the professor of statistics seemed to find out that her previous two exams were take-home exams. And she realized that these frat boys and sorority girls were cheating, that they were passing around the exam. Okay, meanwhile, you know, me, I'd done it on my own. I'd gotten my 50 and my like, other 50, and they had been getting like 80 and 90. So she said, the final exam was supposed to be a take-home exam, but I'm actually going to do it in the classroom. And um, so, you know, I, I went in there and I knew in the back of my mind, if I get 100, I can still get a C minus. But if I can at least just get an 80, I'll get a D and be able to pass statistics. And, and so I'm like, God, help me at least get an 80. That's 30 points more than what I'd gotten before. And uh, I, took, I took the exam. And uh, I know, oh, this, this is the worst semester. And uh, I, thank you, Maribel. Uh, and, you know, I take it, and I just start taking the other exams. And I remember I'm, I'm in another class. It's like a few days later, and uh, I could hear those frat boys talking about the statistics exam. They're like, yo, she put up the grades online. Did you see them? They're like, yeah, I failed. I, I didn't pass. It's like, yeah, man, I, I got a D. And, and these other people, you know, are, are talking about their horrible grades. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. You know, I'm like, all right, I'll just take another year. You know, I already dropped one semester. I'll just drop another, you know. And uh, I go back to my room, and I, I load it. And I'm like, please be a D, please be a D, please be a D. And I look down, and I find my, we used to do social security number, and it's a B. And I'm like, well, no, that's not my number. You know, <laughs> and, and I, I look, and it is my number. It's a B. And I just started dancing in my room, just started jumping around. It's not a pretty sight, but, you know, just, just, I was like, oh, my gosh, like, what happened? And I contacted my professor, uh, and she said, I saw how faithful you are, you know, in, in coming to the office hours and how 
honest you were, and you know, I believe that you're a man of integrity. And I did wait the final exam. You did well on it. I waited it much more, and uh, I did bump you up a little bit. Okay, and I was just like, thank, thank you so much. And uh, then I see that AutoCAD professor, last class, final exam, and afterwards he says, look, I've seen you've been faithful every class. You know, you haven't, you haven't fallen asleep. You haven't skipped class. You know, you've done well. This guy wasn't a super nice guy, but he's like, I'm, I'm dropping the charges. Okay, I'm, I'm going to let it go. And I'm like, oh. and I get back and I check his grade and I got an A in that class. And, uh, you know, I took the 19 credits. I look at my GPA at the uh, end of that year. My GPA was a 3.4000000. Zero. Pretty crazy, right? And it was from that. Now, there's, there's steps of faith. And you got to know that God is for you. And, and it's not something where it's like, you got to live by faith. So, Emily, walk on that water right now. That's cruel. Okay, that's not God. God is loving. God doesn't look at a five-year-old and says, do calculus right now. Okay? <laughs> God, God looks at us and he knows how much we can handle. And, and he knows that where we're at. And that semester was definitely a faith jump for me. After that semester, my faith in God's provision and being a man of integrity and all that was so much stronger. Okay, but I still had a ways to go. And so I had a a few more years of of classes. And I'll tell you, as I just kept putting the Lord first, I had to take more in my fellowship to the point where my last year, I had nine meetings a week for my fellowship. That's insane, right? I was leading the freshman small group while overseeing all the familiar leaders and meeting with them and discipling them. I was leading prayer meeting and I was involved in all these different fellowship gatherings. There was nine different meetings a week. And my prayer time with the Lord by that last year had gone from, you know, 15 minutes, you know, that first year, like 25 minutes, the second year to just like two, two hours, two and a half hours. And it was, it was easy. Okay. It was a sweet season. I'd grown into that. And there are different seasons for a long time with the Lord, but I was just in that so much so that I would just spend this time with the Lord. And then I would read his word and then, you know, I would study, but there would be a grace on my studies to the point where I remember having a a busy week and I had this lab report that usually would take six hours. And, uh, I wanted to go bowling though. Yeah, I just wanted to go bowling. Like, I've been working, I've been studying, I've been, you know, I've been seeking you, Lord. I've been faithful with the ministry. Like, I just want to go bowling with my friends. And uh, I sat down, and I had, I think I had an hour and a half. And I was like, come on, Lord. And, and I sat there, and it's like my fingers just took over. There's like, Zhush! and I killed it in like one hour. The six-hour lab report that, like, my friends are dying over. It was just grace. And then I went bowling, came back, played GameCube, my friends, you know, like, Man, God is good, you know, walking with him. And my GPA went from 3.4 to my last two semesters. I think I had a 3.9. I had almost straight A's. And these are like, you know, your top level engineering classes. But it was just God's grace. And I would go to my professors at the end of the semester. They would actually pull me aside and they would say, hey, look, uh, originally you had a 91, which is an A minus. But uh, I saw that you've been faithful in every class. You haven't skipped a single class. I see that you're attentive. You show respect. You, you get your homework in. Um, I'm thankful for you. I'm giving you an A. Okay. I never talked to this professor once. Uh, I go to my next class. Professor says, hey, look, you got an 88. That's a B plus. But I noticed you've been faithful to every class. You, you've paid attention. Uh, you've been faithful with your homework. Your attitude's been good. I'm going to give you an A. 
This was how it was. It wasn't that I was some brainiac that was like perfect, studying 80 hours a week, putting all my faith in the physical. I was just being a man of God. I was walking with the Lord. I was faithful in what I had to be faithful in. Okay? But as I put my faith in the Lord first, God just gave me favor. There's a thing called favor with man. And if you want to be blessed in life, you need favor. You don't need a 4.0 GPA. Uh, I've heard different companies, they actually won't hire people with a 4.0 because they deem them nerds. Okay? And they say, nerds have no social life. I want someone that can relate to people. Now, to add to this story, that second semester, that semester that I had all that 19 credits and all that madness, I was also trying to get an internship for that summer. Because in engineering, at least at Virginia Tech, you need to take at least a six-month or one year, we call it co-op, where you work at an engineering business during your third year or your fourth year, and you get experience. But in order to get that co-op, you need a summer internship to have something on your resume. But God spoke to me. This was back in spring of 2002. And he said, I want you to go to Korea for this summer missions. I'd never been outside of the country. I didn't know where Korea was on the map, you know, and, but I felt this excitement in my heart and I felt like, okay, you know, I'm feeling this God. I feel witness in me, but God, what about my internship? I need an internship in order to get this co-op, get this work experience to, to, you know, further along my career. And God said, just go do this missions. And so I applied for it. I got in. I did the missions. It wasn't the best experience, but I learned a lot. Uh, and I, I came back. And I remember during that third year, now I went to these job fairs and I'm passing out my resume, passing out my resume. And what do I have on the resume? I have like, I'd worked office jobs in high school. And, you know, I went on this trip to Korea, but I had no engineering experience. And I'm like, oh man, God, you got to make this work. And I'm passing it out. I get no word. And I'm starting to sweat because I knew in my heart that. I, the next semester I needed to be working. And then finally I get this phone call one day and it's this Indian guy. Um, and I, I don't want to butcher his accent, but it was one of those thick accents, you know, uh, is, you know, is John Michael Becker, you know, and, and I'm like, man, this is a credit card. Like, no, you know, I'm about to be like, you know, hang up on this guy. And, and, uh, but I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, he's, he's here. You know, what, 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 what do you need? And he's like, this, this is so-and-so from Infineon Technologies. And uh, I wanted to call and uh, ask if you'd be interested in interviewing for an internship with us. And I'm like, uh, oh, sure, sure, when? He said, right now. I'm like, what? And I'm, I'm like sitting there on my phone. My roommate's still asleep, even though it's 3 in the afternoon. And, um, you know, and, and I'm like, oh, okay. And he starts asking me all these questions, and I'm all, like, not prepared, but I just start, you know, answering, giving him, telling him, telling him different things. And, and, he, and at the end, they're like, all right, you know, thank you very much. We'll get back to you. I hang up, and I'm like, wow, I'm so glad I didn't hang up on him. And uh, the next day, I get another phone call, and it's from another guy from that company. And it's this some manager, and he's like, I want to give you a follow-up interview. Do this follow-up interview. And then he's like, how would you like to work here uh, at the beginning of next year for six months? And I'm like, that, that is perfect. And um, he said, hey, you know, I want to hear a little bit about your time in Korea. So I told him about it. And he said, you know, I got a big stack of resumes for this internship. And out of all the resumes, yours just stood out that time in Korea. Because I saw these resumes of people that had engineering experience and, and 4.0 GPAs and everything. But, but yours showed by your time in Korea teaching children English that you know how to communicate to people. You know how to talk to people. And that's why I chose you 
for this internship. And this was a special internship where I was working directly for this manager rather than working for low-level engineers. And so he hired me not because I was trusting in the land and I got that engineering internship, but because I was walking with God and that favor, just my resume was like lit up. And I remember I got there and the other guy that got hired by the Indian uh, engineer there, he had the 4.0 GPA and, and everything from a far better college. And, and somehow, though, I had gotten chosen. And this is what I want to tell you guys as college students. You want favor. You want faith. You want to walk with God because he'll open doors you never dreamed of. But if you put all your stress and anxiety and your fear and, into these classes or into the next internship or into what am I going to do my first year out of college, you're just, you're just not choosing God. Okay? And if you're not choosing God, even though he's for you, because you're moving away from him and you're just doing your own thing, God's going to protect you from death. He's going to protect you from bad things, but you're not going to get that blessing, that favor, that true joy that God wants to give you. God wants to bless you like Abraham. You're his sons. Scripture says in Galatians that any, any of you who have faith, you are sons of Abraham. Okay, And he told Abraham, I will love those whom I love to the thousandth generation. That's like 20,000 years. I will love them. If you're a son of Abraham, God loves you. God loves you and wants to prosper you. So don't let stress, don't let anxiety determine your future. Don't put studies above God. Okay? Put the Lord first. That's your first step of faith. If you want to walk in faith, put the Lord first. And it's okay. Even if you're, you've never prayed before every day, start praying five minutes a day. Pray for... 10 people, just write down their names. Pray for Pastor JP. Pray for your familiar leader. Pray for your familiar people. And I guarantee you, if you pray for 10 people, five minutes will go by like that. And you're like, wow, I, I just prayed for five minutes. Okay? And you just keep doing that. And as you taste and see the Lord is good, your hunger is going to grow. Taste and see that he is good. Your hunger will grow. And soon 10 minutes of prayer is easy. You love, you're enjoying it. Okay? And then later, 15 minutes. But don't put this heavy burden of, I got to be holy and I got to pray for an hour or I got to pray just like Emily prays to be accepted by God. No, God loves you and he wants you to grow in faith. And if you can just make that decision of God, I'm going to seek you every day. I'm going to put you first. I'm going to read some of the Bible. I'm, I'm going to pray a bit. Okay, and then I'm, I'm going to do what I got to do. I'll be faithful in the small things. I'll do my assignments. I'll go to the professor's office if I have to. I'll be faithful in this. But God, I'm not going to compromise with you. You're the source of my favor. You're the source of my blessing. I'm telling you guys, as you do that, you're going to grow with the Lord. And you're going to be blessed here on earth. You walk with him. He will not fail you. He'll provide for you.